Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Filmmakers Live. This is the interview series where I film, I film, I interview filmmakers who have um, already been walking down the path of making films. And um, so we today have Rahul Nath with us, and I'm really excited. There are a bunch of things that you've done, Rahul, that I've never had a guest on before who's done so. Uh, we'll get there, we'll get there. Um, but the really the purpose of this interview series is to show filmmakers that um, there's always a path. You know, I think when I first started doing the series, I thought, oh, we're going to learn the different paths that um, people have. And then I realized, oh, every single person's path is completely different. <laughs> there's no similarities. <laughs> there's no similarities <laughs> whatsoever. Um, so, but there's always something really interesting to, uh, see that's, that's different on, on somebody's mm -hmm. path, you know? So, um, I am very glad to welcome you, Rahul. And my first question is always, when did you first know you were a filmmaker? And you do so many things that may not be the right question for you. But um, no, I mean, it's exactly the right question. It is. Um, okay. <laughs> yes, it's exactly the right. And, I, and by the way, I love the way you're saying my name. No one's ever said that before. So, oh, is that not <laughs> the way you say it? How do you say um, it? Well, the way you say it is very nice. So, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you any. <laughs> How, do you say it? How do you say it? I say, I say Raul since I've been living in the US because oh, every time Raul. I say Rahul, everyone says Rahul. So, I've changed it to Rahul, but it is Rahul. Um, but the way you're saying it is very eloquent and very pleasing to the ears. So thank well, you. You know, I lived in Miami a long time. And so Raul is a very uh, common right, right. language name. Right. And uh, so and I've, I've heard uh, people say in a jokey way, like Raul. <laughs> <laughs> so um, coming to your question, how did I know? Um I mean, I, I've been in entertainment for a long time. I actually physically wasn't in entertainment till around 2007, 2008, but I had a lot of um, exposure to dancing and choreography, which is how I started. I started as a dancer. And did you start and, um, as a child? As a child, yeah. I used to, I used to do it because obviously back in my time, and I'm exposing my age here, there was no iPhones, there was no internet. Oh. There was none of these things that we have now. Um, you know, you had to find ways to keep your mind stimulated. And so I was part of a dance school. Um, again, the school system in England wasn't set up in a way where you had after school activities or right. you had something that you could go to. So you had to do this all yourself. So right. I started as a dancer, got into choreography, really it's loved kind of being on stage and performing. I'm sorry, I'm always interrupting people. I'm sorry. No. What <laughs> you start with? I, I, um, did, I did tap. Right. I started in Bollywood dancing because that actually ties in with your question. That's where my love of filmmaking came from, was from Bollywood cinema, because that's what I grew up watching. Um, as an immigrant into the UK from India, I was still holding on to my Indian origin and Bollywood movies is where I got my inspiration to be a filmmaker, to be a dancer, to be an actor, because that's the cinema that fueled me. And so I started as a dancer, slowly transitioned into acting and then there was always this urge to do content that I want to do. And I'm sure other filmmakers will say this. That's why we become filmmakers, because there's so much content that you get to do. But how much of that content is the content that you want to do and right. you want to expose and you want to get your story across? Right. So that natural urge was there. And I started with two short movies. And I have to be honest, and I hope all the other filmmakers will join me on this. My first short movie, I didn't know what the hell was going on. I didn't know anything about camera angles. I didn't know anything about casting. I actually didn't know anything. I didn't right. know anything at all. And <laughs> and I mean, when I look back on it now, I don't know how it got made. And I'm hoping everyone else can sympathize with it. me, the I pain that it. I had to go I through. It. I love it. Um, I'm still going to go back because something you said I thought was so was really important. You were saying you're part of all this content, but it's not necessarily your content or content you're interested in. Do you find that um, dancing or acting is the most difficult in that? I, 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 I don't have much experience with dance, but, but with, with acting, I feel as though, especially for women, you know, but the roles that we get, it's just like, bleh, bleh. that's, that's my I think. Yeah. 
I think 10 years ago, again, the world changes all the time. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if I ever dreamt of working in Bollywood, it was non-existent because I'm part of the LGBTQ plus community. So there were hardly any roles for my type of person. I'm not the most macho guy that they like to portray on Bollywood cinema. So you had to be a certain type of guy to be an actor in Bollywood. And so those roles were never there. And so I had given up hope. And obviously, when I speak the language, I speak in an accented Indian format, which wasn't accepted at the time when I was auditioning for projects. Uh But flash forward to around 2013, 2014, I got the biggest opportunity of my life to play an Indian who doesn't live in India and who has an accented Indian accent when he speaks Indian and who was LGBTQ+. Oh, wow. so that just fell in my lap and um, and it was filming in Los Angeles where I live. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, this is great. And then the film stopped and then they shifted the location to Bangkok. And I was like, oh, I'm out because everybody else that was cast in Los Angeles was out because of budget issues. Oh. But then lo and behold, I was flown to Bangkok and I carried on the role. And um, that, that for me, I think it, it was about waiting for the right opportunity as an actor. Mm. 10, 15 years before 2013, there was hardly anything for my type of person. I mean, I think if I wanted to be an actor in the late 90s or early 2000s, the roles were very, very limited for the type of person that I am. Mm. And as an actor, and even as a filmmaker as well, you have to understand that there's a certain format that you are just going to shine in, where it's organic. You don't have to you literally don't have to work because that passion, that excitement that you have and that story that you want to tell, you're not having to go uphill to tell it. You're just flowing with the river and you're telling it. Mm. And that's what I found happened in my acting career. And that's what happened in my filmmaking career is that I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I wanted to do it. And the stories that I have are very different to the stories that other people tell. And they might not be able to tell them, but I can tell them. But then Likewise, there's stories that other filmmakers can tell that I could never tell because I don't have the tools to do that. I I just saw in my head Billy Porter uh, from who won prizes proposed. I can't remember which prizes, but um, saying there was a moment where he said his queerness became this asset. And um, I think you're talking about a certain time frame where or, you know, thank God, in my opinion, you know, we're now able to see LGBT stories um, relatively commonly, you know, uh, mm-hmm. obviously lots of Americans who wouldn't agree with me on that, <laughs> they think that's a bad thing, but, um, uh, you know, there has been a, a shift, and, you know, I, I feel as though part of, everybody says, oh, you know, everything's so different with distribution, it's changing every day, it's changing every day. But but what I have seen ever since really the internet is that there's this ability to speak to niches that didn't exist before. There was kind of- Correct, yeah. Mainstream or nothing, <laughs> like you were saying. Right, like, correct. All that. Before the internet, there were mainstream or nothing. And and then even and then because of the internet, we started to be able to speak to niche audiences. And now we have LGBT channels. We have, you know, I, I remember saying I'm writing a book and I said something recently about um, you know, oh, there's faith-based films, but they're always Christian. But that doesn't need to be the case. And there's somebody out there, you know, making an Islamic faith-based channel somewhere, you know. <laughs> right now <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think the avenues have have really opened up for filmmakers which is great um not just for me but even one of my um i don't want to say colleague because she's now one of my best friends but she initially was a, a, a someone who i cast in one of my short films and she has been in every movie that i have done or every project that i do and um there's so many opportunities for her as a filmmaker as well. She's always telling me, oh, there's this for women over 50. There's this for women over color. There's this for women in this category. So again, 15 years ago, those conversations were not happening. They were not happening. And the internet and the distribution on the internet has been great. I mean, I, I remember when I did my first feature and we were knocking on every every distribution's door possible. And even at our premiere, we were like, please come and see a movie. Please come and see a movie. 
And the response was like, yeah, it's great, but, you know, it's not really the type of movie that we want to do. Again, moving forward, 10 years after the release of the movie, we reformatted it into a miniseries because that was a suggestion that we got from one territory that as a movie, as a feature movie, it's too hard to digest. But if you split it into five episodes, it gives people the option to watch it on their phone because each episode is only 15 minutes. So again, that idea was never there when we released our movie and it released and we didn't get a good response. But then the minute we got this idea about splitting it into five parts, it was like we made another movie, but we didn't. We made the same movie and we just made money by changing the format in which it was presented. Because I want to go back. I'm always going back. Okay. And, um, <laughs> so my so the other question that was about, about dance. So you were saying the roles were not there in the acting. What about dance? Mm -hmm. For me, it was always there. I mean, um, the UK has a very heavy Indian population. A lot of people have migrated from India to the UK. So the Indian population, the audience, and the need and the demand was always there. Mm. Um, so in terms of Bollywood dancing, I never had to really struggle to find a foothold in that field. And likewise, when I moved to the US, because the Indian population doesn't really match to the number of people that you have in the UK, I was convinced that it's not going to get any kind of like foothold here in the US because it just doesn't have that exposure. But luckily I was wrong and I exploded as a dancer here, winning awards, doing event after event for celebrities, doing really big campaigns on TV, again, due to the Bollywood dancing, not any other type of dancing. Um, so again, if I tie that into filmmaking, Sometimes you've just got to do it. That's the best advice a filmmaker ever gave me is just do it. Don't think about it, just do it. And once you do it, it gives you a confidence. It gives you the energy to carry on and do your next project and your next project after that. With um, American, most of the people on here are going to be Americans. And, uh, you know, I grew up in England, so people don't understand. But the way I explain about the relationship now between India and England is that the number one food in England is chicken tikka masala. Masala. <laughs> I think it might be butter chicken, actually. It just changed no, in the last it just year. <laughs> no, I think it's but I think it's I think it's butter chicken now, which is chicken with half and half. Half and half cream places. Chicken tikka masala. <laughs> I think I think I think the butter chicken has trumped it from what oh, I remember. So <laughs> yeah, so. But, it's, but but I don't think Americans could identify with the idea that, a, that the number one food in a country is an Indian food, but that's the way it is in England. And um, the relationship is so long and so deep. And so, you know, it doesn't matter uh, what kind of revolting right-wing English person you are, you're still going out for your curry on a Friday night. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a staple food in, in, in the UK. Absolutely staple food. So when you said about, you know, the Bollywood dancing being so popular there, uh, I could I could see that, you know. But then so when you came to America and you were not expecting that, what is it that you think caused that explosion? What what was it that was happening that had people so interested in, in Bollywood? I mean, I feel what helped the time that I was in is that Slumdog Millionaire had released. And obviously the success of that movie had spread so much ah. um, with it, with obviously the movie being a great movie and then obviously winning so many awards at the Oscars. That really was kind of like the fuel to yeah. why so many people were interested in, in that type of music, because at that time nobody knew that the music composer was actually a very established music composer in both North Indian cinema and South Indian cinema. Um, and so when, when for someone like me, when I heard his music, I was like, oh, great, he's done another masterpiece. But for everybody else, it's like, wow, what is this kind of music? You know, can this you, has changed the movie completely. Can you tell, I forgot Slumdog Millionaire. What a joy that film was. Um, yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. And it was amazing because I feel they really showed a side of India that sometimes doesn't get shown. And that's what I love about what the content that's coming out of India now is that you're seeing 
stories that are not based on just song and dance. And obviously those type of movies, the song and dance movies where you're fighting one minute and then you're dancing around the trees the next, they have their place in India. You can never say that, oh, you know, this is this is not great. This is not what we're looking for. There is an audience, and even if myself, who wants to see that kind of movie. But at the same time, we're now seeing movies and content from India that are subjects like Slumdog Millionaire and are subjects that we see every day in India, but we never we have never seen them on the screen. But now we're seeing that. So that's a great, I feel like it's a great step for India in terms of their cinema and in terms of the content that they're throwing out on the different streaming platforms. One of the things I think is really um, incredibly positive is um, the the uh, amount of international content we get on Netflix. So there's a whole right, right. content from India on Netflix, and um, and you know from many 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 countries. And many years ago, I'm not very good at dates, but anyway, I used to run a cinema on on Miami Beach. It was a one screen art house. You know, we showed a lot of foreign cinema. And while I was running that cinema, so we closed in 1990. In in 1980, when you looked at the top 100 films in the US, there were several foreign language films. By 1990, the only foreign language films in the top 100 box office were English films. So there were, you know, maybe a handful from the UK, the rest, so, so foreign language, was dead in 1990. And mm-hmm. so the, the the rise of Netflix has, I think, done this amazing thing where people are yeah, just- for sure. I just finished watching a, a series from South Korea, you know, that was incredibly good called uh, Extraordinary Attorney Woo about an autistic attorney. Um, but um, that, that internationalism, you know, has really become very popular today. Could yeah. you talk a little bit about the difference between North Indian and South Indian cinema? Yeah, I mean, again, that has evolved completely back in the 80s and the 90s. Um, if you were an actor from an actor standpoint and you weren't getting work in North India, which is Bollywood cinema, which is the most well-known cinema um, from India, biggest cinema, you would go... Biggest cinema, yeah, churning out the most number of movies per year. Mm -hmm. Um, You would go down south, and down south um, is um, a language that they, two languages that that are very popular in the the cinema foothold is Tamil and Telugu. And even if you didn't speak the language, you would learn the lines and they would ADR you because your face was more important at that point than than whether you could do the job or not. Um, And so it's, it's shocking because... At that time, you didn't even have to speak the language. And even now you don't have to speak the language. But the films in the South were mythological based. So if you had done a movie where you're playing some kind of God or you know figure that everyone worships and your movie became a hit at the box office, you weren't seen as an actor or actress. You were seen as a descendant of God. And the, the crowd would just go crazy for you. Because the majority of the movies from the South were mythological. Whereas in the North, the movies were more kind of like what we refer to as masala movies, which are kind of like, you know, there isn't much kind of sequential um, kind of footsteps in the movie. It doesn't go in in a kind of chronological order that you would expect it to, but it still entertains you. And that's what they were. They were entertainers. So if you were going to watch a movie that had any kind of um, comprehension to it, it didn't have to have that because you were just there to entertain comedy, drama, whatever it was. Over the years, as I mentioned before, content has changed so much that in the South and in the North, those movies have progressed. Now in the South, they had a movie called Bahubali, which was an epic two-part drama. And it was made by a very established director in the South who had made projects before that were very out of the kind of comfort zone of what you would expect but this movie it was like watching an Indian Game of Thrones I mean I went I forced my friends to go and see the midnight showing at a cinema in Los Angeles and they were like we don't want to watch this I was like no this is an amazing movie um and we watched it in the Telugu language which is the South Indian language and they were blown away and they're all filmmakers and they couldn't believe it they were like we can't believe that this movie has come 
from India, let alone South India. They were so impressed. And I've always been kind of like a supporter of the South cinema and the North cinema because there's so much content and it's so different. And I resonate with it. that I'm always promoting it. Oh, I just, we just lost your sound, Rahul. Um, I, I went mute for a second. Am I back? Um, yes, you're back. And can <laughs> Maybe you, I'm talking too much. The, no, 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 no. Can you repeat the name of the film? Because I suddenly realized now I've been so distracted with my father's illness and death. And I meant to go and see that. Oh, that's not the movie I was thinking. Bahabali, the beginning. I'm Bahubali, yeah. Bah Bahabali. Uh, there was a movie that there was a huge amount of um, buzz about that, that was an Indian movie. And I, I thought that was it, but now I'm not recognizing the name. And I remember I want to go see it at the cinema. And uh, I didn't, I didn't yeah. get it. I mean, this specific movie, Bahubali, I think as a filmmaker, yeah. if that's your genre, the Game of Thrones kind of arena, if that's your genre, you definitely have to go and watch it. I mean, I was, I was so impressed with that movie um mm -hmm. the first but i didn't feel like i was watching a movie from india and again it's not in the standard hindi language which is the regional which is the national language of india it's in a south indian language telugu so i understand a little bit of telugu but thank god for those subtitles otherwise i wouldn't understand anything um and thank god they had subtitles because my friends don't understand any telugu anything. so they were like where are the subtitles <laughs> like, they're coming what what is the language of the the north Bollywood movies. So in the northern part of India uh, is Punjabi cinema, which is referred to as Hollywood, and that's Punjabi language that they speak there. So, but, but what language is Bollywood in then? Bollywood is Hindi. Hindi. Um, in the and in the south, you have Tamil, which is Hollywood, and you have Telugu, which is Tollywood. <laughs> Amazing. I can carry on. I mean, this will get more complicated as I carry on. <laughs> but just to give you the basics. Wonderful to have, uh, you know, I was so excited when I saw you were going to be my guest because I was like, there are just all these things I've always wanted to know. Um, so um, so you, you mentioned that you had made two short films and the first one, you don't even know how you made it which I thought was great. Um, how did you come to make your first feature film? I was actually very lucky. And again, I don't know if any other filmmakers can kind of vouch for this, but my first short movie that I made was actually unknowingly the foundation for the feature movie. And I never intended that. When I made my short movie, I was like, I just got to get this done. I just was like, I have to do this. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I have to do it. Um, and so when I came to the feature movie, I had written it um, and it's really strange. I always share this because I know we're all filmmakers have their little quirks and traits. But the reason why I wrote it is because I wanted to write it, but I wasn't just able to get pen to paper. And I was traveling to London and I got upgraded to business class. And I was like, oh, wow, like, you know, I'm in the sea and, you know, I'm getting all the champagne. And I was like, I should freaking write my movie. I should write it now. And that actually was like, because I was so comfortable and so drunk with all that champagne that I was getting. I just, I, I, the ideas were just flowing to me. Um, and again, like that was like an 11 hour flight. And I only remember probably 10 minutes of not writing. And I was really in that zone where I was just writing, the ideas were coming out. Um, and then as I, as I did the first draft, I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of scenes from my short movie that worked really, really well that I can put into this movie. But this was all a happy coincidence. This wasn't like, oh, I'm making my short movie and right. this is going to be the bread and butter for the feature. It was nothing like that at all because my second short was completely different from my first short. But it's so strange how the first short became the, the foundation for the feature. Um, I, I so identify with the uh, flight. Um, I get so much work done on planes. I, yeah, yeah. I also feel that way about trains, but since I live in America, you know, we don't really do trains anymore. But um, uh, airplanes, I just find incredible. And it's so funny because I just got back from Trinidad. I, I sit down on a plane and before we take off, the person next to me and the person next to me are asleep. 
and they sleep through the whole flight. I've never been able to sleep on a plane. And I just get hours and hours and hours of work. Yeah. I've never met anybody who's... <laughs> I'm telling you, as, as a writer, it is the best place to write. It is the best place. You don't have to leave your seat. Food is delivered to you. Drink is delivered to you. And you are just in such a comfort zone. It's the best place to write. I mean, if that if that ever happens to any of you guys, please just, just get your laptop out and start writing. Yeah, if you can stay awake, I think is the thing. If you can stay awake and if you can bear the turbulence. But that's where the champagne comes in. <laughs> um, so I've 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 lost complete track of anyway, you left England, you went to LA, you the Bollywood blew up. Um where where in the in that sequence, it's hard to keep up with you, Rahul. You have all these talents. It's just uh, an amazing it's hard thing. to keep up with myself. So I understand. <laughs> When in all of that sequence did you make the feature? And then can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, um, so as I said, the backstory was I made two shorts. The first short was actually the foundation for the feature unknowingly. And then I made a second short, which was uh, called Compromise. The first short was called Foreign. And Compromise was a very bold step for me because there were a lot of issues in that short movie that I haven't met a filmmaker that has has done that kind of work um like what I was doing in that short there were a lot of things that I wanted to show on screen my inspiration is is a is a big Bollywood director called Madhu Bandhakar and he is known to be that person who takes risks and shows things that a lot of filmmakers don't want to show so that's why I wanted to make that short um and then after that I did think about making what it was about now I want to know what it was about the basis of the of the second short was about three siblings who were all on their own path of destruction, yet they don't cohesively act together as a family. They're individually leading their lives in the hopes that, you know, there's going to be happiness somewhere. Um, but I really enjoyed making that. And the reason why I enjoyed making that is because I had a great, great cast. And a lot of that cast I've repeated in my further on movies. Um, and I had a great crew. And I knew what I was doing. That was, the, that was the main thing. I knew what I was doing in this movie. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I what I wanted to get out of it. And I knew what I wanted to do post-production. Whereas in the first short, I knew nothing. I didn't even know, I didn't even know what post-production was. That's that's how uneducated I was at that point when I made my first short. When I came to write the feature, um, I wanted to keep elements of that second short. So that's where I knew that, oh, this second short that I've made is going to fuel the feature. But again, I was very lucky because I didn't realize the first short was actually foundation for the feature. Elements of the second short is what was pulling me in um, to make the feature. And um, the feature is actually an extended storyline of the short. And so that's how that all came about. And um, I had an idea of how I wanted to do it, how I wanted to shoot it, what I wanted to show. Um, and then we went ahead and did it in 2013. Um, we initially were supposed to start in August of 2013, but I booked this huge Bollywood role, um, which forced me to fly to Bangkok for a schedule and then to India for a schedule. So the movie got delayed from August to December. And when we got to December, um, the investor that we had pulled out. And so, I was left with the option with my co-producing partner that do we make this now or do we wait? And it was a case of synchronicity just lining up. My aunt really, who is my favorite aunt now, because she gave me her house for free for five days. Uh-huh. One of my colleagues had um, a production house which had different rooms. And he basically said, if we're not hired out in the days that you need it, you can have the whole space. And he. He undercharged me and we were there for like 14 hours every day for three days. Um, the cast who I wanted in the movie, who had worked with me previously in my shorts or who weren't able to work with me in my previous shorts, they all came together. And it was just, it was probably the best filmmaking experience I've ever had in my life because I knew what I was doing. At the same time, the cast and the crew were just so cohesive with me. I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for a better cast. I mean, even now, some of those casts, I will always be in debt to them because as an actor, when you get a role, you give it your best. But sometimes actors can 
they can lose that passion, especially on independent projects. They can just be, oh, this is just a paycheck. I don't care. I, I mean, I know actors like that who even do that with network TV shows. I was very lucky because my actors were giving their all over the period that we were shooting. And we only shot for like six days. We did a feature in six days because time constraints, I had to go back to India to film. This was the only window that we had. And it was the Christmas period. So, so for me, that was probably the best filmmaking experience I've ever had in my life. All, all my work is about money. And so, uh, and don't feel obliged to say any numbers. But so you lost your investor. And um, so originally, what was your, do you, what was your investor going to come in? How were they going to make their money back? What was their thinking? Why did they want to support you? Their, their thinking was this, that this is kind of like a Bollywood slash Hollywood project, which at that time, people were looking for those projects. They were looking for crossover of Bollywood and Hollywood. Um, and he actually suggested that we have a song and dance in, in the movie. Because obviously that's the entertainer movies of Bollywood in right. that time. And I, I said, it's not that type of movie. You know, you can't just have a husband slap his wife in one scene and start dancing in the next scene. Like, it's not that type of movie, unless if you're doing a slapstick comedy. And so we got to an agreement, but I think that agreement was still on shaky ground because he wanted something else. Yes. And I was telling him, look, it's if we're doing that, it, it's not making sense to me. So the ground was already quite shaky. But at the same time, I had booked this huge Bollywood project as an actor. And so I was explaining to him that, look, you know, the reason why I need to delay it is because yeah. of this. And I can't say no to this because this is going to be great for my career and it's going to open up different doors. So as an investor and from the investor's point of view, I can understand why he pulled out because the ground was already shaky. And then obviously he's looking at me and saying, well, he's taking preference over this, over, then over this. And so I, I completely understood. I mean, I, I still have a lot of respect for him. I still speak to him and get his advice, but it didn't work out on that front. Yeah. For me personally, I have found when I put the money in, I can do whatever I want. And that's what I like to do. But obviously right. you can only do that to a certain extent. Right. You can't do that. You just said an incredible thing. <laughs> you just said an incredible thing because filmmakers are always looking for investors and that's great but you just said you know when I put my own money in I can do what I like you know um and so I always want my clients to raise money I don't want them to put their own money in but um I want them to be able to have the ability to do whatever they want um right and uh we're um, i always start from the perspective i'm sorry there's construction going on can you hear all that banging and stuff oh good um so uh but i do think especially on your first feature that it may be the only time you ever get to do what you want you know because yeah yeah your career and as you actually do start to get investors and as you do start to answer to other people financially actually that may never happen again you know so yeah I mean I was lucky again because my my good friend co-produced with me um but again when we were working together we weren't friends he was the producer that I had to answer to um yeah. still that element of friends did kind of flow over but I was very kind of, he's not my friend he's a producer and I have to talk to him as a producer you know once this is over then we can go back to being friends. So it, it was a great experience. And again, I come back to what I said before, that if you're a filmmaker and you can do it with what you have, just do it. Just, I mean, that that is the best training that you can ever get. You're on set, you're having to deal with people. And, you know, unfortunately we live in a world where you're not going to get on well with everyone. Unfortunately for me, I've lost a lot of friendships through my filmmaking career. But then I've realized is that I'm not trying to say this to sound arrogant or anyway, but as you rise, if people don't rise with you, then you can't keep them on. I mean, I'd worked with people who had been on my two shorts with me and, and, and done other stuff with me. And it was always harmonious and excellent. And they went above and beyond. But when I got to the feature and I went back to some of those same people, it was like, I, I didn't know what beast I was dealing with. And I was confused, but you have to just move on. That's, that's unfortunate that it happens like that, but the people who are going to rise with you are going to rise. And the people who are not are going to be replaced by better people who can do the job to where you are. 
if I was a filmmaker like I was back in 2008 when I started my filmmaking career, yes, certain people would have worked at that time. But now, all these years on, if people don't rise with you, then it is very difficult to keep working with them. My, my philosophy is, is I love working with the actors that I have worked with. And I love to repeat them because I know they're going to get the job done. And I know they're not going to give me hassle when I get on set. Um, I mean, again, as filmmakers, I don't know if you guys do this, but if I'm working with a new actor, I always say, look, this is how it is. And if you don't like it, you've got to tell me now, because if we get to make the movie and it doesn't work out, I'm not going to waste any more energy on you. I'm just going to say, look, this is not working out. Like, let's just part ways. But, you know, if we do get on and we do have a great relationship, then, you know, we're going to we're going to make more and more content together. Like you're going to be my go to villain or my go to, you know, um, flower girl or go to, you know, wall on the flower person. You're going to be my go to person. And if you can't do it, then I have a bank of people that I can go to. So that that's where that's why I love filmmaking, because. Not only are you learning as a filmmaker, but you get to work with actors. And if you're an actor yourself, when you see that actor go to a level that they want you to go to and you see them achieve it, it gives me the most, I mean, it gives me such great satisfaction. I love it. And especially with my feature, that's what happened. I worked with actors who I always wanted to work with. And they were, they were amazing. And I've, I'm repeating them in my next project. So I'm very excited to build those relationships because it's less stress for me. I should have asked you before, but what was the long line of Kazana or Kazana? How do you say it? Kazana's, uh, Kazana's log line is revenge is served. Revenge is served. What What's yeah. the setting? Was it set in America? Was it set in India? What was the? It was, it was set in America. Um, and the synopsis, quick synopsis, it's about a newly married girl who comes from a less wealthy family and she's married to into a very wealthy family and she experiences abuse on an emotional and mental level, which eventually leads to physical abuse because of a misunderstanding. And then when she finds out the reality of her circumstances and the truth of what's been going on, she takes it into her own hands. So is it a, go is watch. It a, a drama or is it a horror or is it a thriller? It's a thriller slash drama, um, but there are some funny moments in there. <laughs> You're not crying the whole way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, well, I um, I love thrillers. That's, that's my favorite. And then, um, so after you made uh, Kazana, you survived and um, you moved on to making another feature, I believe. Is that correct? I'm in the process of making it right now, yeah. Just... Um... I tried to sort out the dates and lock everything down. Um, and the concept of this of this movie is um is based around um uh terrorism. Ooh. And uh what's the log line for that movie? Um multiple people are seen in different lights, but when you see who they really are, even you will be shocked. Mm. so and that is that a thriller as well that's a thriller slash drama as well um that um that again is it's it's quite it's quite bold in in the presentation the way that I'm presenting it um but I wrote it with the actors who I've worked previously with with them in mind and they're on board and we're looking forward to getting that started this year hopefully oh okay um I have I have rarely uh, had a guest on who's said over and over again I like to work with the same actors I like to work with I think it's great you know I think uh crew and cast you know the more that you can kind of build that team and build over time I think is such an incredibly powerful choice decision but not everybody sees it as that and um I I just wish that 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 it was something that people did more you know, because I think it's great to grow with, as you said, the people who are growing, it's great to grow, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do it. Again, every filmmaker is different. Every filmmaker has a different thought process. Um, but for me, the reason why I do it is, one, I love working with these actors. And two is that you have to understand is that if I was just doing filmmaking and nothing else, then great. 
you know, I would take the time out to kind of see and vet these actors that whose resumes I have or whose work I've seen. I mean, I do that when I'm watching, whenever I'm watching content, I was, I always look and think, oh yeah, that's, that's a great actor. I love that actor. You know, who's his name? And I'll put it in my PDF and say, okay, I'm going to save it because if something comes up, but to actually sit there and go through casting and vet every actor, I don't feel that I'm at that stage where I can do that right now. When I get onto bigger projects and have a casting director, yes, then I would get them on board and vet them. But where I am right now, I like to use my bank of actors and I like to use them because I know that they're right for the role and I know that they can do the role. And if I have to change things in the role to make it fit them, I'm okay doing that right now. Moving forward, and obviously when you get to bigger projects and studios are involved, then obviously that liberty is taken away. You can, you can say, look, I've worked with this actor. This is what I've done. This is the visual of what I have. But then it is up to them at the end of the day who they want to take. Right now, I'm in the position where I can say, look, this is the person that I want. And I'm always, I'm always looking at actors. You know, I'm always looking at how they behave, how they are. I've worked with some really great actors who are not just great on set. But they have the etiquette that you need on set, um, even with crew as well. And I, I mean, I've worked all over the US and I've worked in India and I can say 95% of the time that I've worked with people, it's been great and never had any issue and I've loved the job. If that 5% that I have worked with, I haven't liked as a filmmaker, as an actor, as a creative person, it's made me realize, you, you know, sometimes you've got to be careful because it just takes one person to break the whole system down. And that's the last thing you want when you're making a project as a filmmaker. You don't want someone talking behind your back and saying, well, I don't want to work with him because he does this and he does that. And he falls us in at 6 a.m. Like that. That is just for me, everyone likes to say negative energy, but for me, that is just, you're breaking down the pillars of support that are keeping this filmmaking experience alive. Right. And so I don't want that on my set personally. And I know with the actors that I have, um, they would never do that. And not only that, but they do the job and they make the job harmonious. And if that ever has happened with me with an actor, I've just never worked with them again. Um, yeah. And the filmmaking crew, what I like about... I just, can I just say, I just, I think you don't quite hear me. I, I keep having to step on you. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, one of the things I say is that the less money you have, the more you cannot afford to have a negative right. set. And I think that people always think that I'm talking about um, competence, which of course mm -hmm. people have to be better than competent, but the less money you have, the more you cannot afford that negative energy because that one voice it, it will take everybody down when everybody is putting out 150 percent and they're getting paid small amounts of money and everybody's working hard and 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 to have all of that camaraderie is what makes it fun and yeah one person they can they can destroy all of that yeah, I mean, that that's what I feel as as filmmakers, what I was, was going to say just to add on to that. As filmmakers, I feel like when you talk to another filmmaker, um, regardless of where they are in their career, where you are in your career, I feel like there's such a truthness that comes out when you speak to each other. Like if somebody was to ask me, what was this person like? Or if I was to ask them what's that, what that person was like, we'll be very honest with each other. There's really like an invisible handout from everyone where we just all connect together and if you say well you know what did you do with your movie oh well I put it on this platform and I got a lot of success everyone helps everyone out in the filmmaking world as filmmakers my experience has been um this suggestion about splitting Kazana into a five-part series actually came from a filmmaker friend of mine who connected me to someone who said you know this is what this person is this is what the the platform wants can you do it? I'll connect you. So it was a filmmaker friend who had never recommended that we wouldn't have splitted Kazana into a five-part series. What, what's the platform that wanted the series out of the, the feature? It's a, an Indian platform uh, called Z5. Uh -huh. um, and it um, so as you have ABC, CBS, CW, now they all have equivalent streaming platforms. It was an equivalent streaming platform that suggested that split it into five parts because everybody in India now is watching content on their phone. They're not going home and watching on their laptop. You know, there's long train journeys from one side of town to the other. Right. So they have 
two hours to kill they could watch your whole show in two hours and it's easy for them because they finish one episode they eat they drink and then they go back to the second episode so nice. it was it was to me when when the, when the person was saying it I was like this is not making sense I haven't been on a train for 15 years so I'm not going to know because I'm always in my car I was like, I have no concept of trains anymore or subways because I don't do it. But he was like, no, he goes, train journeys in India, they can be up to three hours. Yeah. And, you know, it, people people entertain themselves in those three hours. They use their phones, they'll play games, they'll watch like an episode, they'll change platforms. As they're changing platforms, they'll eat some food, they'll get onto their train again, and they'll start watching another episode. So when that concept was presented to me, I I was just like, yeah, I'm not really seeing it, but I'm glad I'm glad I did listen and I did do what they wanted me to do. So. And then with the film that you're making this year, how are you raising the money for that film? So again, I've raised the money myself through um, what I have done as an actor because the budget is super low and obviously we're in a strike and we can do it because of um, the interim agreements. Things are things are actually much cheaper at the moment because of the situation that we're in. Um, so I've actually raised the funds myself through all the acting work that I have done. Um, but again, I think this is probably the last time that I'm going to be able to do that because the ongoing projects that I have are projects where I'm going to need studios involved or I'm going to need a studio backing. Well, we should talk also. I just don't like to see filmmakers spending their own money. I like to help you raise money so we can talk. Um, yes. So uh, what in, in so the film is coming up. What else have you got coming up this year, Mr. Multi-talented? <laughs> well, we're on strike, so, so not much in terms of the acting front. Right. Um, but in terms of writing front, I also have a TV show, which I have pitched to several festivals. Um, and that definitely will need to be um, studio affiliated. And that's actually based on um, my experience in the hospitality field. And I kind of pitch it as kind of like the hospitality version of Grey's Anatomy, where, you know, the doctors and the nurses are looking after patients, but we still see what's happening in their lives. And it's the same with hospitality is that when you are doing events for people who are spending a quarter of a million or half a million on a wedding, you have to put your best face forward. But little do you know what's going on behind that face that you're putting forward. And I've really loved writing that because as a writer as well, when you write the own experiences that you have been through and you put them on paper, there's a different kind of feeling to it. Um, so I'm, re I'm really hoping that that um, sees the light of day because I'm very, very excited about that project, really excited about getting that out there and showing to the world what hospitality is about. Because again, as a guest in hospitality, you only see the one side. You don't know what's going on behind and I you know for me hospitality career was <laughs> was a big a big happy accident it's probably one of the best things that have happened to me since I've moved to the U.S. I I never anticipated a career in hospitality but I've met some of the best friends who I never would have had any contact with outside of a hospitality career but who've become my family and especially through COVID we were really there for each other so it's kind of like I would say it's kind of like finding your family in your friends in a hospitality setting. Um, so let's open it up and see if anybody has any questions for Rahul. Just raise your hand, your digital hand or your, um, uh, but um, if not, I will just keep asking questions. Sam, it looks as though you have a question on your mind. Oh, well, I mean, uh, it's yeah, somewhat. I mean, it, it has been one of my lifelong dreams to actually do a few projects in India, direct a few projects in India, because uh, my father actually lived in India for five years, uh, traveling with uh, a very, a very well-known guru named Baba Muktananda and uh, his successor, uh, Guru Mai Chidvalasananda who is my guru. And I haven't been to India yet, but I, I, I grew up with Indian mythology, you know, growing up in, in, in the ashram and uh, both in Oakland and New York. Um, and also, you know, I, I mean, I, and, and I have many, many friends from India who tell me great stories about 
India as well as my father. And uh, I, I, I said to myself, I really need to go to this country, you know, to have my own experience and someday make my own projects over there. So, um, That's and, so interesting, uh, Sam. I've been to that ashram in Oakland. You have? Yeah, and my spiritual home is an ashram in Florida. Oh, nice. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I've never made it to India, but it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> oh, me too, because, uh, I mean, of, of all of, especially from the city yoga upbringing that I have, I'm definitely, you know, destined yeah. for India. So, yeah. Yeah. You should, you should watch that movie, Sam, um, because I heard, right, you said myth, you have, uh, a desire for mythological movie making is that what you said sorry because it did come yeah. out a bit i've always been fascinated with mythology you know since i was a kid yeah you should watch you should watch bahubali um i think again if that was my genre i wouldn't tell you <laughs> i'd want to keep it all to myself but i think you will find i think you would find a lot of inspiration watching that movie i i watched that movie and Never before have I watched a movie and I've watched it in so much detail where I've noticed the sets, the coloring, the costume, everything about it. Like if I had to fault a movie, that is one movie I cannot fault. Like I cannot find any fault in it. And I don't even speak that language that that the movie is presented in. Um, but it is so well made, so well made. Um, I think you personally, because you have that desire, you should definitely watch it. Definitely, because I'm I'm inspired to make a movie like that, but it's definitely out of my comfort zone. It was it was too happy for me. Like I like sadness. So. <laughs> you know the movie that I was thinking about that there was all this buzz about is called R R R. Oh yeah, so that is the same director who made I, Bahubali. I see. Right, right, yeah. So that's the same exact same director. That director must just be something special because that director is able to somehow cross that kind of uh you know i think every i know for every trinidadian their dream is to make a film in trinidad that becomes famous internationally you know so i'm right, sure right. the indian director to to be able to make a oh film. he he's amazing he he made a film years ago and i'm thinking 10 years ago if i'm correct about this boy who falls in love with this girl the boy is murdered by the girl's obsessed lover and so the murdered boy then comes back as a fly to protect her. Whoa. <laughs> that's it's quite... I'll put it in the chat. Um, oh gosh, but, um when when that that is that is the movie, by the way. Um wow. that's not me just posting some emoji. Um <laughs> but but that that movie, um that I think if I remember correctly, that was one of his first movies. Mm -hmm. um but but yeah you should check it he's a he's a great director i mean he's really found his his rhythm with the mythological um based movie but bahubali i mean i think for you sam you're really gonna love it really really it's it's really well made i mean when i went to see it myself this is midnight so we're talking probably the movie didn't start till 12 30 oh, wow. and i just i couldn't sleep the whole night after the thinking how amazing and I've never felt, I've never been that person to say, God, I'm so proud of, you know, our country. I'm so, I literally came out and I was like, I am so proud of that yeah. cinema. This is just such a huge achievement for this cinema. Like he's broken every barrier possible to showcase. Um, <laughs> That's like Excellent. Thank things you. Things above, yeah. I'm sure that if, if Joseph Campbell were still alive, I'm sure he would love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> more than likely <laughs> thanks so much sam lovely to meet you thank you sam I, I just, just to want to make sure if anybody else has a question because i i just suddenly remembered that you were in a film very very famous trinidadian film bazadi i wonder what yes how, i was how did so that again this is i mean everyone's gonna think i'm lying but this is exactly how it happened it was 2014 november and I had gone to India for the premiere of one of my movies. I landed on Thursday, Friday, and on Thursday, so I was going to India on the plane. I was reading this article of this actress who said, oh, yeah, the director just found me on social media and he emailed me and he said, do you want to be in the movie? And I was like, what rubbish? Like, who does that happen to? 
that's like the biggest rubbish I've ever heard in my life. And I just threw the magazine and I was like, went to sleep, reached in India, really jet lagged, and then getting ready for the premiere. And I get this email saying, oh, hey, Rahul, uh, we saw this movie of yours and we're really interested in you being in this movie called Basodi, shooting in the Caribbean. Are you available? We'd like to speak to you today. And they had attached um, a famous Indian veteran, Indian actor who's actually been in the James Bond movie called Kabir Bedi. And I've known of Kabir's work for years and years. And I thought, okay, that's the saving grace here that he's attached to the movie because they wrote Kabir Bedi's in the movie. So I was like, this, this has got to be legitimate, I think. So I was in India. I couldn't get Wi-Fi anywhere. I had to go to this shopping mall and... Um, this really kind man was like, use the Wi-Fi of my phone. Uh-huh. So I used the Wi-Fi of his phone and I connected and the producer was on the on Skype with me. Because again, I don't I don't think we had WhatsApp. I don't think WhatsApp or Zoom. It was hard to believe it was only 10 years ago, but I don't think any of that was non-existent. So I was on Skype. It wasn't very clear. And I was like, oh, do you have the sides? And she was like, oh, no, 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 we want to offer it to you. So I said, oh, right, okay, well... <laughs> Um, what there's no audition she goes no no there's no audition we just want to offer it we need you to come to Trinidad as soon as possible and I said well I'm in India at the moment and she goes okay well, like we need you here by by this day and we'll fly you over and um, it was it was surreal I mean again that was one of the best filmmaking film best experiences of my life as an actor that was so so great and I I mean I, I did the premiere of my movie in India I only had a few days left. I shot some commercials and I left. I got on a plane. Before I knew it, I was in Trinidad and was given the script before I read it on the plane. Um, And it actually spread over Christmas of 2014 into January of 2015. And it was, it was, I mean, it was the most surreal thing of my life. Like getting an email saying, are you available? Getting on the Skype with no audition and, uh, and then doing the movie. Then coming back and and I said to my agent at that time, I said, you know what, this is only ever going to happen outside of the US. It's never this would never happen in the USA. Like no one from a show is going to call and say, Can you send him down? I was like, this is like a it's an Indian thing, it's a Caribbean thing. Like it's never going to happen in the US. And then a year later, I get a call from Netflix saying, you know, oh, do you want to be on this show with Steve Corral? It's called Space Force. And I thought my agent was calling me because I had a really, really bad audition that day. Really bad audition. And I thought, I didn't even want to pick the phone up because I think like, she's calling to tell me off. And so I had like five missed calls from her. And she was like, where are you? Call me. And I was like, she's going to, she's going to just, I don't know what she's going to do, but I don't want to know what she's going to do. So, so it's, it's, you know, things like this happen, even in filmmaking, as I said, you know, when I made my first short, um, I didn't know that that was going to be the bread and butter for the feature. And when I made my second short, I had an idea that I wanted to take some elements from that into the feature. But again, these were all happy accidents, which I come back to say, you should just do it as a filmmaker, just do it. That is the best way is just to do it. That's fantastic. Those stories are so great. Um, Yeah. I mean, at the time when they're happening, you don't realize, but when you look back on it, you think, oh, wow, like that, that actually happened. It actually happened that you read the article and you were like, that's ridiculous that she said she just got contacted on social media. Yeah. I was like, that's ridiculous. How did they find her on social media? Like, but it's true. This is living evidence that it's true. Right. Had you ever been to Trinidad before that? No, never. And I, it, again, the food, the people, the country, it was, it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Um, it really was just so surreal that I had the chance to go there. And we were treated like royalty. They would take us to um, promotional parties for, I think one night we went to promotional party for their cell, one of the cellular networks there. And we were treated like royalty the whole night. It was it was the most ex- amazing experience of of my um, acting career to jump from one country to the other. Um, it was it was crazy. It was it was really crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I, and I haven't been back. But I stayed in touch with a lot of the cast and crew who were doing amazing things in Trinidad. Um, but it was great when you mentioned Trinidad initially. I was going to say, oh yeah, I shot a movie there, but I was like, just oh, we've got so much to get through. I remember before we left and nobody else had any questions. So I got to ask. So that's awesome. (laughs) 
Rahul, thank you so much. What an absolute pleasure. Uh, I, no, I thank, thank you. I hope that. I can imagine it's difficult guess... to keep up with your own life because it's difficult to keep up with actor, dancer, writer, director. It's a lot, you know, that's a lot yeah. to juggle. Yeah, I really hope that that was a big inspiration to every filmmaker. Um, um, so I hope to see great work from everybody. And I did notice that a couple of people came on right at the end. And I just wonder if they've made a time error. So I just wanted to say that we do record these interviews and we post them on our YouTube. And Emily, uh, we may even have, oh no, yeah, we're live on Facebook, but but we will post this interview on YouTube um, at look up filmmaker success and you'll find all of our filmmaker interviews so uh if you did come on at the wrong time welcome and um uh you will be able to see the recording even if you missed it today so rahul thank you so much we'll let you get thank back you very much your all your acting and writing and directing and <laughs> thank you so much thank you everybody me too. Thank you, Rahul. Bye, Joanne. Bye. Bye, Bye, Rahul. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you, Sam. Go watch Bahubali, Sam. I will. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to.